Welcome back to the Man Over Ball podcast. Today we're joined by Just Jack, a legend in the English music game, in my opinion. Someone that's been making music for over 20 years now, which is which is crazy to me. Uh, not far off the new album, That Was Now. How's it going, Jack? How are you doing today? Yeah, good. I'm, I'm really good. I'm great. Yeah. Lovely stuff. What's the reception been like for the new album so far? Really good. Yeah, I mean, people seem to love it. I mean, I basically, because I don't have like press... And I don't have like like other people promoting stuff. I just do it myself. So all of the sort of response I get is is essentially from from the converted. <laughs> so so I'm sort of like so. But but I think that in some ways people are like are almost like I think people are pretty honest about about it. And I think a lot of people have said it's as good as as good as my best work. But that's a great review, isn't it? <laughs> but then having said that, you know, I'm like, I'm 47. I'm not like a spring chicken. Do you know what I mean? So I think that, that if I'm doing stuff that that is comparable to, 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 you know, to stuff that is seen to be my best work, I don't know, man. It's weird, weird. Music's weird like that, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think I feel like as a musician, surely you think most of the stuff that you release is your best work when you're when you're working on it. But it's it's strangely I, up to other people to judge. And also there's a massive reminiscent value in it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. I think you can't you can't separate music from from the memories. You can't separate music from from where it puts someone in, in their life. Do you know what I mean? So and it takes time for new music to kind of to sort of uh, create new connections with what's happening now. Do you know what I mean? So. But yeah, I think uh, you know, I'm incredibly happy with the new album and I, I'm not incredibly happy with everything that I do. I'll be honest with you. Um, it, it, I think lots of people feel like that. Lots of musicians feel like that. But I think with this, I was like, as much as I've gone up and down during the process of, of loving it and hating it, I think, you know, in retrospect now when I look back on it, yeah, I think it's I think it's great. Would you say would you say you did anything different in particular with this album? You know, when you approached it and you were writing it and coming up with the ideas, was was there anything that you you know did that wasn't the same as your previous albums? I I think I was a little bit more on it, a bit more honest, mm-hmm. a bit more. Um, I wasn't trying to look at myself as this sounds really might sound a bit weird. I wasn't trying to look at myself as an artist and try and look at myself as what I should what I should put forward and what I should what I should say which I have done you know like like I'm very sort of a I'm very sort of not I wouldn't say careful but I'm very conscious of the fact that that, that I always want to kind of like say the right say the right thing for me do you know what I mean like I think that's mm-hmm. the best way I can put it and I think with this album I was just like Psh, I'll just say some shit do you know what I mean like stuff that <laughs> I haven't said before um, having said that, it's not like deeply confessional or whatever. It's just like it's more like what's been going on in my life. And I think that I've I've sort of I think the other thing was I've always sort of uh, I've always slightly been af- afraid before to kind of uh, to sort of put forward weaknesses and to kind of say that, you know, that I'm like that I'm fucked up or, or that something's not going well or that I feel this way. Do you know what I mean? I've always been a bit, I don't know, maybe it's the way I was brought up. I've always just like, get on with it. Come on, lad, mm-hmm. get on mm-hmm. with it. Everything yeah, will be all right. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? It is, I, mean, that, I, mean, I mean, that is like a thing, isn't it, though? Do you know what I mean? And I, and mm-hmm. I know that like a lot, uh, you know, a, a lot more is being said about mental health and that sort of thing. And it's not like I in any way wanted to kind of like jump on a bandwagon or anything like that. It was just more literally just kind of saying like, I, I think it is becoming more and more acceptable to just, particularly for men, to just say, look, like, I just don't, I don't feel confident. I don't feel like a geezer. I don't feel comfortable in this situation. Do you know what I mean? And I think that I was definitely, there was definitely more of that in this record. Yeah. So this, this record is definitely more of a personal one for you than, than perhaps previous releases. I, I think, I think they're all personal, but this one is like, I don't know, maybe I've just like grown up more. I think it's like people have said to me that it feels a bit more like mature <laughs> I mean that makes it sound boring, doesn't it? <laughs> but um but I, I think I think that's it. I guess it's just like maybe I've experienced a lot and I've been through quite a lot in the last like couple of years. And I think that that's probably that probably shows through in the music. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of going through a lot, obviously you've been a musician now for for over two decades. And I've noticed when I've kind of been looking into your story and looking over a lot of your music and stuff, it seemed to me that the first album, again, it seemed pretty personal. It seemed like you put a lot of effort into it. Didn't quite pop off to the same level as a lot of your other music has or didn't quite gain as much notoriety. What was that like at the time when you were a fresh musician releasing music? 
And then you kind of had to wait a few years before you really sprung into the public light. Uh, well, because getting into music was such an accident for me, it didn't really feel like um, I wasn't waiting for something big to happen. Like mm. when, when, I, when I first signed my first little record deal with, a, with an independent label, I was like, what? you're going to pay me to make music. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. And I was like, how much? And they told me, and I was like, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, I don't, I don't look at music as like, as, as like a kind of career. Do you know what I mean? I look at it as like, as, as it, it's a career, it's a hobby until someone pays you. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's always a privilege. Like I, I, I think, that having the time and the space to to make music is a privilege. Do you know what I mean? So I think I never looked at it as like, as like, oh, you know, I never expected that album to be big. It was my first, I mean, literally, it, I think on that album was probably the, it was the, was the first song I ever finished. So it's not like I made a hundred songs and then I made 110 songs and those 10 songs that I made mm. with the album, I literally had like my first, I, you know, again, I was lucky enough to have my first music um, being, being put out in the world and played on the radio and mad stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So I, for me, it, it was a win. Do you know what I mean? There was, there was a big, um, there was a big problem really with the fact that the streets had come out and Mike Skinner was doing his thing. And, and it was one of those very strange things where we kind of had a very similar idea at almost exactly the same time. And his came out like six months before mine. And it was just one of those really weird situations where you couldn't get away from the fact that it looked like I was copying what he'd done. And it was just, it was just a really strange thing. Do you know what I mean? So all of my interviews and all, a lot of the press and stuff like that was like, how do you feel about being compared to Mike Skinner? How do you feel about people saying you've copied him? And, you know, you, you can sit there and say it a thousand times, you know, that, that we were basically mixing our album when we heard his album. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. one of those mad things. And actually he, much later on, I heard him on the radio, he, he did a, an interview on the radio and actually did say, you know, that that we had had that same idea and that he had just got a lot of the accolades and a lot of the success at the time, but it wasn't like a kind of copycat situation. Do you know what I mean? So it was tough. It was tough, but it was also amazing because, you know, I had a record out and, and I was just a bedroom producer. Do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, of course. And as much as that comparison is probably pretty annoying when it's a lot of what the media are talking about, etc. It's a pretty good comparison to have to be compared to Mike Skinner. Uh, of course, he's a yeah. legend in the game. But to be fair, I don't even think the sound is is that similar to the streets other than the fact of or, or to Mike Skinner himself, other than the fact of it's like more spoken uh, or, or, in a lot of the music. I, I think that the like to put it into context, at the time that 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 we both kind of came out, and obviously he came out as I say a little bit before me, no one was doing that. <laughs> like, like they really, you know, there was like there was UK hip hop, definitely. You know, there was there was um there was Roots Maneuver, and there was like people like Farmer G and like sort of like North London rappers, and there was like there was lot there there was a few like rappers, and there was like Gunshot and people like that. So there was like UK hip hop and like uh, loads of Black Twang, um, Thai, all these different people were doing UK hip hop. But no one was really doing that kind of spoken thing. And again, no one was doing this like very emotional kind of, you know, it was like a completely different sound. Like I remember like you, I remember like um, Hip Hop Connection, which was like a big magazine at the time saying this, this is hip hop, but it's not hip hop. It's like we don't really know what to do with it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that so at, at the time we both literally came out of pretty much nowhere, had the same idea. And so there was no one else to say that that I was like, do you know what I mean? Because there was only us two really at that time. Um, yeah. How did it feel in that time? Cause I, I was, I was pretty young when, when I remember getting your first albums, I remember um, all night cinema, just being laying around the house uh, mm. and picking it up and listening to it and really enjoying it. And that's how I first really discovered your music. Mm. But at that time, the kind of like British scene, a lot of like British artists really seemed to be blowing up. Mm. Obviously you mentioned Mike Skinner there, but, kind of in a similar vein, like Monkeys were releasing some of the biggest, I think it was yeah. their first album. Yeah. And there was Jamie T as well, who was really popping off at that time. Yeah. How Allen. did it feel? Yeah, yeah Lily Allen. Uh, loads, loads. Yeah, there was like, there was like a whole little, yeah. How yeah. did it feel? Because like, when I look back at it now, I kind of feel like you were in that, in a similar wave of that kind of British type music blowing up. What was it like? Was there any inspirations taken from any of them or any of those artists that you've maybe like looked up to or chatted to or whatever? No, that no because because obviously I my first album came out in 2001 and all that stuff happened in, in sorry, 2003 and all that stuff was happening in 2007. So so I kind of felt like I'd been around for ages when all that stuff happened, really. Do you know what I mean? But um, mm. obviously because my record hadn't been as much of a success as people maybe thought it would be, 
it, it seemed like I, I'd kind of blown up at the same time as all these people. Do you know what I mean? Well, I did blow up at the same time as those people, but actually I'd been doing it for quite a long time before. But um, I think, uh, yeah, so I don't, so I don't think I was getting inspiration from those people, but obviously it, it yeah, it, it was like a kind of interesting time. You know, I think that um, particularly people like talking in their own voices. I think that was the main thing is that people were like singing in like in in their regional accents, whatever that might be, whether it be like from like from Sheffield or from London or wherever else. You know, I mean, I think that was like the main thing that seemed to kind of tie everything together. But um, I don't really remember what I thought about it. I didn't really take that much notice of it, to be honest. Like I've always, I've always just sort of kept my head down. Like I'm not really that guy. Do you know what I mean? I'm not really that. Woo, look at me sort of dude um at all which is probably um, why yeah i haven't had as much as, I, I i didn't have as much success as a lot of those people because i just wasn't that dude you know what i mean i was like i was turning down stuff because i just wanted to just get on with making music and i don't know yeah 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 i mean i mean it's always a, a respectable thing to do is to just kind of be like look I'm, I'm in it for the music that's why i'm doing this so just keep yourself yeah yourself. i just think i wasn't really com i wasn't really comfortable like i wasn't in any way like i didn't want to be like i didn't even want to be like a singer or anything like that i just wanted to be like a bedroom producer i just mm -hmm. wanted to be like i don't know like i don't know like zero seven or something like that just make like get high make chill tunes <laughs> go out <laughs> and not have to like not have to show my face do you know what i mean it was all a bit of a shock to me and i was very uncomfortable like i can't really overstate how uncomfortable i was in so many situations like tv shows um you know doing things like like um t4 on the beach you know like massive stages with big walkways going out into the crowd and all that kind of thing it just wasn't really i, I like I, I you know i appeared in that world completely by accident do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I had no hype. No one was like talking about me. Like the biggest hype I got, I think, I think was the BBC music thing they do every year, you know, the sort of BBC artists of the year. But mm -hmm. apart from that, whereas like lots of other people were getting talked about, I basically just appeared with a massive tune <laughs> and just, and everyone went, well, that's good. And then suddenly I was, do you know what I mean? I was in that world. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. I just, I came through it in a very different way and very suddenly, you know, so yeah. So it sounds like it was very zero to a hundred almost. Would would you say it was kind of overnight? Was it that quick? No, well, not really, because obviously I'd had a record, as I said before, I had a record out like like yeah. a few a few years before. So I was kind of slightly prepared. But obviously, I think for someone who was very much into underground music and very much kind of I saw myself as like a very like left of center kind of artist, you know, I never saw myself as like a pop artist. I just happened to write like a massive pop song do you know what i mean and, and and as i was saying to someone the other day like stars in their eyes the original version of stars in their eyes has got like a rap section so the whole tune slows that down and i do like a rap verse at like 10 bpm slower than the track so i had this like so i had this like this like indie rock pop song with this rap section that just totally didn't like fit and that was my way of saying like you know this is not radio this is not pop and then and then the record label came along and said look we need to have a radio edit of this and i tried to edit it in all kinds of different ways and the only way of editing it in the end was to take out the whole of the rap first oh, no. so what i ended up with, <laughs> with was this like perfect like and, it, and when i i remember i did it like in logic at home it was so stupid like the, my guy who like i got the the master of it obviously normally they take it to a master and they do it all really carefully they were literally like we need an edit stuck it into logic chopped out that section put it back together again bounced it out and suddenly it was just this like perfect pop song because i'd taken out this section that, that, that had been my way of saying this is not a pop song mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so there you go that's the best explanation i can give to you you know i, I removed the, the left field bit of it and suddenly it was like this thing where when it went to radio one it was like playlisted like eight weeks in advance and, and the record label were going fucking hell no one <laughs> No one gets playlisted eight weeks in advance. You know what I mean? I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I remember when when it got to number two in the charts, I didn't know when you get in the charts and, like, get you on the phone on the radio. I was, like, in a, in a dressing room in a shop somewhere, just literally, <laughs> like, going, like, hello? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, it was, I was, like, just completely just not that dude. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I know, I know you kind of mentioned there about it, it being maybe 
a bit of a surprise in some ways and and kind of being in that scene as you said I can only imagine you know if I stepped out onto a festival stage and there was like that many people there and I was expected to go put on a performance I would absolutely crap myself I went to see a live podcast last week and it was only for about 500 people in Leeds and I was thinking I wouldn't even want to just do a podcast live and that's just me chatting like that would be a bit too much for me yeah um yeah it's nerve-wracking that stuff yeah what are you gonna say no, I was going to say, I was going to say, so I know at one point it seemed as if you didn't take a bit of a break from music, but obviously you, you had a kid and then you kind of stepped away from like putting out albums, at least under the just Jack name from what I could gather. Yeah. What was that experience like going off and being a tutor and kind of maybe giving back a little bit and, and teaching people how to songwrite and, and along those lines? What was that period of your life like? Um, It was great. It was, um, it, yeah, I needed to, I, I think, I think to be honest, I was a little bit sick of 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 music in a way like i think i'd 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 had an you know i i'd had enough of that of that side of things you know i didn't want to do any more of that of that stuff you have to do you know i didn't want to do like those tours i didn't i just didn't i just wasn't really into the idea of it i'd had a kid as you say um and and i was just like i didn't really know what i wanted to do i think the music i was making at the time was like really super dark like i was literally making like the darkest weirdest shit i remember playing it to my manager who'd just be like what the fuck is that what is it <laughs> i mean like what can you just do another like the day i died do you know, what I mean? you know like, it was like the day i died but without any hope do you know what I mean? yeah. Yeah. So, so then yeah then a friend of mine was like look why don't you come and teach like it was only it was only like it was like three hours a week or four hours a week um on like a on a songwriting degree course and to be honest it was amazing i, I was thinking about this earlier um I think the main thing with it is what I realized is, is my enthusiasm for music is just massive. And I think that, that where I wasn't brilliant at like planning lessons and I, I wasn't a teacher really, do you know what I mean? I was just a guy who wrote songs and with, but I just had this incredible enthusiasm and, and also like a lot of knowledge, you know, I'm, I'm very much into everything, you know, mm. there was pretty much nothing that like a 17 year old could talk to me about that I didn't have some knowledge of, which is quite mad when you think about it. You know, I literally yeah. like, suck stuff up. So so I was it was great just to have a rapport with like people much younger than me. I met Tagore Chain on that course as well, who, who who then went on to play guitar for me a lot. I wrote a lot of songs with him. He, he He's a brilliant artist in his own right. That was an amazing and he's also one of my best mates now. So that was amazing. Love um it. But just like it also, it's it, I, I think looking at how at how much people were struggling and how much they they um were trying to find their confidence and were kind of you know anxious about all kinds of different things. It made me look at my own situation and realise that actually I had an awful lot going for me. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like I, I I'd done a lot of the work. I, I did have like a following and a fan base and people who really loved my music and you know re were really deeply invested in it. And I think that kind of that made me then want to go back and make more music um as well but it but it it, it was wicked I, I love doing that stuff you know it was um it was really good just just as i say just connecting with like with people and trying to help them with their music yeah a complete change in lanes but i think sometimes that's what needed what's needed especially as you said like working closely with people and being able to pass some of that knowledge that you've gained with years in the industry being able to pass that knowledge onto them is mm. is is unbelievable it's it's kind of worth more than a lot of the stuff like i think now when i see new artists coming through a lot of it's about like doing well on TikTok, doing well on social media. There's, I feel like there's so much pressure to not only be a musician, but to be like an entertainer and to be mm. a video editor and to be, to, to look great and to do all this. And I really like the approach you take in, oh, I'm just going to be myself. I'm just going to put the music out that I want to put out. And I feel like that's a much better way to look at things, but it, it's maybe becoming a little bit more impossible to do that in the modern day. I mean, I, I think... I was thinking about this earlier as well, actually. I mean, I think what I do, yeah, I, like the music I put out because I I'm lucky enough to have a fan base that I can that I can make that I can <laughs> I have enough people listening to my music that I can make a living out of it, which is a, an amazing position to be in. But but also I don't have to like I don't have like an A and R man telling me to make a different type of tune or I have to make a single or whatever it might be. Even though I I kind of just naturally do that myself. But I think that with social media. You can't escape social media. I think all you can really do is try and f is well. What you have to do is find a way of doing it that is that you're comfortable with, you know, and 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 like play to your talents. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I've done all. I mean, I've done 
social media i've i've done like time lapses of me drawing things and making things making artwork for albums i've done all kinds of little edits and videos i've done i've done just chatting to my phone which i used to hate going like hi guys blah 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 blah, all that sort of stuff but the thing is well once you've done it a few times you actually get really used to it and actually when people respond to that stuff it kind of becomes it becomes quite sort of okay it's more handleable do you know what i mean and i think i'm I just try and make stuff that that I think is cool and that I like, but you have to do it. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, and actually, as as I said before, it's a privilege to make music. I I, I think that like no job has a bit of it that you don't like. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, 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 like you're not owed a job which you love every minute of it. Do you know what I mean? It, that that would be insane, right? No one does a job like that. You know, I've done jobs like I was thinking earlier. You know, I used to, I used to work in the Gap. Now, I loved working in the stock room because I could just like come in like a bit stoned, be in the stock room, moving clothes around, pissing around, you know, not having to do anything. And then every now and then I'd have to go and stand at the front of the shop and literally be like, hi, guys, welcome to the Gap, you know, that, <laughs> which was like horrendous. And, and, and that's like no job doesn't have that that bit where you've got to stand in the door. Right. So I think with music, just look at it as like the social media. If you hate it that much, just look at it as the bit you have to do. And try yeah. and find like find a way through it. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not it's not that hard. If you're a guitarist or if you're if you're a singer songwriter, if if I could play the guitar, I'd get up every morning and just do a little acoustic cover of one of my tunes and stick it out. It's not hard. Do you know what I mean? Just like do the thing that you don't mind doing. Um, I think that's there you go. That's my rant yeah. over. No, that's a that's a, that's a great answer and a fantastic it's, way to look yeah. At it. It's a very good take on it, I reckon. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. It's, a, it's a it's a different take on it, which I really like. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not owed like a job as a musician, however amazingly talented you are. Like like that doesn't mean that you can just be like like I'm gonna love every second of this. You know, no no jobs are like that. That's why it's called a job, right? Yeah. <laughs> a job is a job. Otherwise, it would just be like free time. <laughs> Um, so yeah. it, interestingly on that point though would you like with the kind of landscape of music at the moment would you say that social media and those sorts of platforms have directly affected you know people's output in the music world has it do, do you feel like there's been a large change in you know the type of music that is now popular because it seems to be that people are constantly just trying to make tunes that have a little snippet in it you know that 10 seconds that just need that's all they need those 10 seconds and it seems like that's become such a obsession for artists now that they're putting out work that would be classed as you know not their best work purely so they can get this one clip to then go viral mm. um i i think that i think that all, all of the things you're talking, all of the things that we're talking about and you're talking about, they're all relative. They're all relative to how things were before. So I think that people saying that they don't, you know, that that they don't want to do social media is relative to, you know, like the Rolling Stones, basically just like renting a mansion in in France and sitting there and getting high and making a record and the girls come and the boys come and everyone has a great time and they never have to fucking like do you know what I mean like do a little video saying hi guys we're doing a tour <laughs> do you know what I mean or anything like that so it's like it's all relative to that so I think like if someone does like a two minute song that's incredible it, it's only relative to someone's four minute song from like 20 mm. years ago or 10 years ago do you know what I mean it, it, mm. it doesn't I don't think it makes it particularly less valid it's art isn't it it can be anything mm -hmm. that that's that's like saying that like a you know like a rembrandt is more valid than a piece of video art or or do you know do you know what i mean it's like i, I think yeah. it's like if it's good and it makes you feel a certain way and you know it might be that a nine-year-old thinks it's incredible and a 50-year-old thinks it's absolute dog shit but that's music isn't it do you know what I, do, do you know what i mean so so i think like yeah people should be able to express themselves how they want and and people expressing something that's a bit strange and a bit sort of as I said before like left of center or or, or a bit kind of like you know yeah sort of avant-garde that's probably not going to be popular anyway do you know what I mean or it's not going to be as popular so you I, I think that I don't know I think there's an awful lot of of stuff that's talked about but it's only relative to what's gone before and, and I and I don't necessarily think that that's something that's that's new and different you know it's people like talking about like mumble rap and shit like that and like mm -hmm. oh it's terrible i can't hear what he's saying and it's just <laughs> and it's just all auto-tuned and it's this and it's that if if ten thousand people are going fucking nuts to it then who fucking cares what you yeah. think you know what i mean yeah. it's like, and that's what music's always been it's mm -hmm. it's like you have to like step back from it and kind of go all right 
you know, like I can do my thing or I can do their thing or I can find something in between and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. Maybe I'll make some money. Maybe I'll never make any money, but that's how it is. That's one of my favorite things about music. I think you, you epitomized it well there. Like we went to Leeds Fest this year and Rage Against the Machine were meant to be one of the headliners. And I love right. Rage Against the Machine. Uh, and they dropped out and they were replaced by the 1975. And I also love the 1975, right. which is right. a strange right. too. Like I love both of them. So I was happy. Yeah. But yeah. Tim had got a ticket to see Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. And he, right. let's say he's not a big 1975 fan. But no, I, I, can, it yeah, I can see. I can see you looking at <laughs> Rage Against the Machine in the 1975. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Looking at you. <laughs> yeah. I got them evils. But um, <laughs> I enjoy that because then like we have a platform here where I've spoke about like my favourite bands. Tim spoke about his. And, and it's good that like music can bring people together. And you're right, like the different slight niches in music is kind of what makes it in many ways. I think, I don't know, is, was there, is there a question? Sorry, what were you asking me? No, no, sorry, it wasn't. It was more just, I was just, I was just kind oh, of right, right, going yeah, off yeah, your yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, it's yeah, all good. I, 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 feel... I, I think, I think, well, yeah, I mean, basically, I think the thing that I've like, I used to be very, very like super like opinionated about music like and very like into what I was into. And what I've realised is, is that my opinion like people's opinions on music they they are valid in some ways but they're also just a little bit redundant in other ways it's like look someone likes something you're not going to talk them out of liking it by mm -hmm. saying what you don't like about it do you know what i mean and i think that i think it's it, it's brilliant that like that music is so broad like like what there's not many art forms that have that much breadth of just like crazy diversity and and they're in popular culture they shape popular culture there do you know what i mean it's everywhere all the time and i think that that um, I try and like I try and see what people like in things, you know, and I I can nearly always find something that I like within nearly everything. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah, I think I think a, a term for music that is a bit dated now, perhaps something that shouldn't really be used as much, is definitely guilty pleasure, because in my mind, there's a lot of music that I like that would be classically classed as guilty pleasure, but mm -hmm. I don't I don't see why there should be any guilt in it. It's music uh, at the uh, end uh, of the day. It's uh, I agree. I think I think that yeah, that did sort of almost like maybe that is like a kind of a more of an of a newer thing. Like you say, I think people used to ask me like, "What's your guilty pleasure?" And it's like, "Well, I have pleasures, but they're not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel guilty." About <laughs> that's, that's, like, yeah. But then, I, but then I think it's like, I I think people's like I think with like things like streaming and with the availability of so much music, I think you're more likely to find something within a completely different genre than what you normally listen to that you love do you know what i mean i think it's just the the accessibility like before you had to go and buy a cd or your mate had to go have you heard you know or here's a mixtape of like yacht rock and you'd be like i've never heard yacht rock before i wonder what it's mm -hmm. like do you know what i mean and then look like, but now mm -hmm. it's like well i can just go and like find anything do you know anything i and so i think that people just are more likely to find just that little thing within lots of different things that they like. Do you know what I mean? And, and they can, you can draw like lines and threads between things more easily. I know in your time in music as well, you've worked with some amazing artists uh, in Cathal Smith and Kylie Minogue, I believe it was as well. <laughs> what, what was it like to yeah. work with those guys? Cause that's a very like different genre, I would say to what, to what you've been like put in. Um, what well, was it like to work with those? I mean, so Carl Smith, like, like he managed the first label that I was signed to. So he was like a mentor to me. So I think that he, he just recognized because he was in madness for people that don't know. Um, he recognized in what I was doing, just something similar. It, it, it had like, again, it had like lines connecting it. Do you know what I mean? We were both North Londoners. Um, there was definitely a sort of slightly more confessional, sort of thing there was a sense of humor in it do you know what I mean so I think he was definitely a kind of mentor to me like when I first started the Kylie Minogue thing was like was, was was quite random she heard one of my tracks at a party and said to someone that she liked it and then said to, not to be too much of a name dropper she said to Elton John it was Elton John's party <laughs> <laughs> Elton John played one of my songs she said she liked it and then when the US label um the US company that I was signed to wanted to do like a US release of the album. They wanted like a feature. They said to Kylie Minogue, would you come and sing on one of Jack's tracks? She said, yes. We turned up at the studio biting our nails, like going, fucking hell, Kylie Minogue's actually coming to our studio today. <laughs> kind of sat there. She arrived. She was amazing. She was lovely. Um, yeah, that was like a very surreal and like 
cool experience um definitely <laughs> yeah that's that's that she's is that is just legend. really cool she's a she yeah she's a massive legend so switching it up a little bit there's one question that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast and we've had some amazing answers we've had some strange ones and it is for your dream festival so we want a friday night a saturday night and a sunday night headliner any acts in the world alive or dead it can be a band it can be an individual artist anyone that you choose but it's a friday night saturday night sunday night well, that's really that's 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 easy Easy. Oh, easy. Well, Usually we get told it's very hard, but well, when no, I, come on. No, but do, but do you know why? Because like because literally earlier on I was thinking, do you know what? I was I was sort of like mentally preparing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why. Because often in, in like interviews or like phone inter- interviews and stuff like that, I just start to like blather and just like talk shit about stuff and like and like um and ah and like I don't really know, I don't really know what I'm gonna say. So I actually did think a little bit about this. So basically <laughs> what I was thinking was what I've been listening to the most recently and, and, and that could easily translate into what you're asking. So I think, so Friday night would be A Tribe Called Quest. Ooh, come on. Um, Obviously the, it, um, um, it would only be two of them um uh um because one of them died rest in peace um but yeah um the tri- a tribe called quest or if we could go back in time it could be the yeah. whole of tribe yeah so that's yeah, what yeah. we can do we can do that a whole of tribe um tribe called quest friday night playing all the bangers saturday yeah, night taylor swift oh Ooh. that's a big shout do you know what um, i've actually seen everything like everything on the internet at the minute is to do with taylor swift i've never it, seen an artist have this much coverage in my life like even this is a rogue shout but even on my like tinder and stuff everyone's bios are just like i love taylor swift you best be a taylor swift fan and i'm like well i i'm kind of so so i've never really listened to her that much but i'm not against her so i've only recently realized um how much of a fan i am of taylor swift it's 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 weird like i think i've a because i've got a little bit more into kind of country music which obviously is where she started and then stuff like shake it off and tracks like that which my kids would have been listening to i kind of realized although i didn't like love them particularly stylistically they were obviously like amazing pop songs and then recently with like folklore and albums like that that the more sort of like earthy kind of americana albums the two of them i think i think are amazing i think the songwriting is literally incredible on those and I love like anti-hero the new tune i think it's you know again like it's it's not like i wanted to be a massive Taylor Swift fan, like I didn't. That's definitely not on my like. On Maybe my... your kids wanted you to be a massive Taylor Swift know, fan, and it's worked. But, but they're not even Taylor. They're not even massive Taylor Swift fans. It's just I think it's, and I'm not even like a huge like. I'm a fan of the music more than like. Do you know what I mean? I think it. it I, it's just it sort of crept up on me. I think is all I can say. And I think that I think it's about the songwriting. Like if you strip away everything else, and if you see her do like acoustic versions of her songs. The songwriting is just unreal. If you see someone do a co- someone else do a cover of one of her songs, you realise like how incredible the songwriting is. Just so good. Like I, I will, I will literally argue with anyone that says that the songwriting is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Sunday night, um, it would be Krangbin. I don't know if you know Krangbin. Ooh, you, you, no, you, I'm not. I'm not sure. Krangbin. No. Oh, I feel like after this, I'm going to have to check out Krangbin right, and right, listen so, to Taylor Swift properly. So, so Kurangbin, if like if I'm like a, a like a sort of I don't know if I'm out at like a friend if I'm out at like a house party or something like that or if I'm like camping or something like that or if I'm pretty much anywhere and someone says put a tune on I'll put a Kurangbin tune on because it's just the most likely that everyone can just get into it. It's okay. basically it's a three piece. It's a drummer who's just like an incredible drummer who basically plays just like straight up like break beats like hip hop break beats and an amazing bass player. Um, who is who is just amazing, who also sings a little bit as well. She's incredible. And then an amazing guitarist who plays like kind of melody lines over the top of it. He's like a virtuoso guitarist. And it's basically, um, it's originally inspired by, I think, Thai funk. So oh. funk from Thailand. And I think Karangbin is a, is a Thai word. But you have to check them out, mate. I guarantee it. I, I, it would be hard. It's hard. It would be hard not to like it. It's just so good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like it's got a load to say about something. It's not. It's not necessarily. It's not lyrically incredible or anything like that. It's just. It's just got something. Just something about it. When you see them as well, they're just incredible. They're just like an incredible unit. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely. I'll definitely check them out. And anyone else yeah. listening, go give them a listen. Yeah, but that's yeah. 
that's like comp three completely different genres for the mm -hmm. festival as well. I like that vibe. You're switching it up each night. It can it can all be a little bit different. Take the kids along. Has to be. Has to be. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we we love to see it. So going back over your career, I always think that this must be really weird to look back at. But is there anything when you look back over your music that like stands out as a highlight, maybe in your songwriting or, or certain melodies within the songs? Is there anything that you think, oh, that was some of my best work? Um, um, I know that like personally, um, the day I died was the yeah, first so ever song that I remember knowing all the lyrics to like, I'm not even just saying this for the, for the benefit of the podcast. It yeah, genuinely no, was no. the first song that I knew all the words <laughs> to, I think. Um, yeah, I think, no, it's funny as you say that actually, cause I, that didn't actually like pop straight into my head because actually like a couple of songs that are more recent, mm. like pop into my head in terms of like what I feel is like my very best songwriting. But I think that, that the day I died, yeah, I think when I, when I listened to it, yeah, it definitely has something. Like if, if I perform it live as well, it's definitely like, it, it feels like a, it feels right. It just feels like one of those tunes. And I think that a lot of people do say to me that it is their all time favorite tune, which is quite mad when you think about it. Like it's literally like their favorite tune out of all the music they've listened to. That's their favorite record. Quite a lot of people have said that to me. And I think that's pretty, pretty mad, isn't it? Um, and yeah, I think in terms of like a, a a narrative song which is a proper story with like three little chapters and a beginning and an end and it works you know it took a long time to write it was incredibly hard to write um and to get it right and um yeah so probably that that tune but then also there's a song called um river song so so if anyone's listening who hasn't heard like more recent stuff there's a song called river song which i think is i'm very very proud of um there's a song called uh, um, No Cause for Alarm, which is like a very sort of folky sort of song, which I think, which I'm really happy with. There's there's a, there's a lot of stuff I've done recently that I feel is like very strong songwriting. I'll be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% I agree. I think especially given you've been in the game for so long now, making mm -hmm. music, like the output and the quality hasn't dropped off other than for a few years when you're off like uh, teaching and stuff, but you've generally always released fantastic albums that haven't I feel like when a lot of musicians get towards the end of the career, maybe they concentrate a little bit more on the touring aspect and stuff. And I wanted to ask a little bit about that, throwing it back because I get yeah. the impression based off what we were saying earlier, that you probably prefer to play at some of the smaller gigs, maybe when it's like a more personal tour over some of the festivals. I know you've done like Glastonbury and stuff a few times, but, during your time on the road is there any highlights any cities that you really like going to um so so yeah so i've played um i've i've never had a bad i've never really had a bad gig i think like i've been very lucky i've had a lot of amazing shows that i've played and i i pretty much like playing almost everywhere but like um manchester's always great for me um glasgow edinburgh uh birmingham brighton um i've played like uh I've played everywhere at some point and I've, as I say, I've enjoyed everything. Like there isn't really like, there's some places where people go a bit mad. London's always obviously crazy because it's my hometown. So that's really good. Um, but highlights, um, yeah, playing, um, Shepherd's Bush Empire, um, is like a bit, was like a big highlight for me. Um, playing, uh, John Peel tent at Glastonbury, like twice. That was incredible. I think the year that stars came out when we played at the John Peel tent, that was like, mental it did go off like it was it was mad and also i played festival and i always remember this because i it was I, I never got booked to play festival for years and i never really knew why and i finally got booked to play festival festival and they put me in this shitty little tent i'll be honest <laughs> like i can just fucking say this now they put me in a shitty little tent it was like a tiny tent honestly it was almost like a i think it was sponsored by like a drinks company or something like that there was like there was no dress. There was no dressing room. There was nothing out the back. There was like a weird little sort of shelter with like a sort of. I mean, I'm not like a. I'm not a sort of prima donna in any way. But it was literally like a corridor that we had to stand in and this shitty little tent. Yeah. Anyway, we played, and so many people came. It was ridiculous. So this tent didn't have any sides on it. It was kind of like a shelter. And as mm -hmm. far as you could see, there was people. It was nuts. And literally people were coming up to me afterwards saying that it was the best thing they'd ever seen at a festival. Do you know what I mean? So so that is like, I think 
against the odds that's like probably uh, that's like a super highlight as well do you know what i mean because i felt I, I literally felt like we were like properly marginalized man i don't it was one of those weird ones it was like we're gonna book you but we don't really want you here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can come, in, you can come it, out of this little hole there seriously that's that's what it felt like so literally a bit it, it was mad like we could we just looked out and it was like this is insane how many people were like just crowding around this tiny little tent it was it was amazing yeah I've noticed that some of those little tent ones, they always feel a bit more personal. And I don't know why, but when it's at a festival, it's always like proper like hot in there. It feels yes. like hot and sweaty. It feels like I'm in someone's living room watching the gig. And like everyone there is clearly a big fan of this person because they're crammed into the little tent. I've also heard a lot of good stuff off of artists about Scotland. Like you mentioned Glasgow there. Like I've heard some mental stories about like Scott, like the Scots at gigs just going mental. Has there been yeah. any... Any like crazy stories from the road, maybe from your younger days or anything? Any any uh, mad fan interactions or funny moments from yourself? Ah, oh, I don't know, loads, man. Like I don't know, like people throwing things on stage at festivals. Like someone once, someone once threw threw like a vibrator on stage at a festival, <laughs> which is weird, isn't it? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I remember just like picking it up, going like. What are you symbolizing? What does this mean? It, please explain. Come and sit down <laughs> for the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just there we've had loads of like mad fans. Just like I mean, we, we yeah we've had a, we had a lot of like good times. Like I remember like so so one like thing that sticks in my head is like at one point we would we were driving back from a show in Paris from a festival no was it it must have been a show in paris and there was a massive like gridlock traffic jam in paris and we were in our tour bus which was like a two double decker tour bus with these like little uh kind of like skylight things you know to like let air in the top and we climbed out onto the top of the bus with like a bottle of like champagne or some shit like that this is yes. classic <laughs> and sat on top of our bus in the middle of Paris in this mad traffic jam and drank this like drank this <laughs> bottle of, like, booze. Do you know what I mean? So that was that was pretty cool. Like, I think there's been a lot. There's been a lot of different things, and I've met like a lot of, I've met a lot of like just um, just just people who are just like deep into the music, like properly. It, it you know like shockingly, I don't know, man. People who just, yeah, I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have people who just like. I I, I think like, I feel like the music I make like it doesn't appeal to definitely doesn't appeal to everyone and it and i don't think it appeals to like a sort of pop audience particularly but people who who get it seem to really get it do you know what i mean mm. it's like they they get deep into it and i think that's that's brilliant that's all i could ask for i'd imagine that the first time that you had an interaction with you know a hardcore fan that was really into your music was quite humbling almost almost as if like you know I, yeah how would that have been it's quite a strange one to think about i can't even comprehend you know it's weird see it's weird like i feel i'll be i'll be absolutely honest with you about it i don't know it it, it it is humbling but also if you feel like what you do is really good it's also not that shocking i know this sounds weird but a lot yeah, of people no. say like a lot of people a lot of people use the word humble these days don't they i it's so hum i feel so humble i'm here in front of 100,000 people it's so humbling you know mm -hmm. thanks guys you know it's like but at the same time as much as it is like an amazing thing that people support you and that they're fans and i would never like belittle that if you really feel like what you do is really good and you're 100% behind it it's not as surprising. Do you know what I mean? If you're really mm. honest with yourself, it's not that surprising. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, <laughs> so, so I, it, that's me being totally honest because I've thought about this like a, a little bit. It's like, you know, I think that, yeah, you, you you obviously thank people for supporting you and you obviously, yeah, that, that, that there's parts of it that are humbling. But also if you do something, if you put everything you have into something and you really think it's good and, and you know, you try really fucking hard with it, then you should almost sort of expect it as well in a way. That's, it's that's it's kind of it's it, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like um for example uh mr west Kanye. he oh. um he said his biggest regret in life is that he'll never get to see himself perform live <laughs> he's, so, yeah, I mean, he's just yeah <laughs> i wouldn't go that far i mean i'm not i think yeah obviously like i think someone like kanye i think if you look at what he's done, I mean, you know, people say he's arrogant. People say lots of different things about Kanye. People say, you know, obviously people have said a thousand, a million things about Kanye. But if you look at what he's done, and, you know, I was like a massive fan of particularly his first album. I think he's just like astonishingly good. Uh, at the time, it blew my fucking head off. It really mm -hmm. did. I thought it was incredible. 
every bit i thought everything about it was amazing and you know and and stylistically i haven't liked everything he's done since then but i can see how it's literally changed music do you know what i mean as he's gone along he's changed music almost every time you know something that he's done will have changed you know what what people are doing and how people are seeing things so i think you know he, he has a right to be as arrogant as he likes really do you know what i'm saying like yeah. because he's just so good at it do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and whenever he just does something like that's inadvisable or offensive or, you know, that he probably that he probably shouldn't be doing, let's face it, there's lots of things probably that that, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. I still think that like if you look at what he's done, if you lay it down what he's done, it's it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think as a as an artist, his impact on the genre, like um, on multiple genres as well, yeah. has been it's, there's not many artists that I'd say have impacted music more than Kanye West. There's some questionable, uh, and that's putting it lightly, things he's done in his personal life and on interviews and stuff. But I completely agree with the fact as well of, I remember when one of his albums came out, I think it was like The Life of Pablo in like 2016. I remember my brother sending me it and was like, people will still be copying this in like 2020. And they are like, I feel like if you go back and listen to that album, even now, it sounds very similar to what a lot of the bigger songs for the last few years have been. And yeah. To be an artist and have that much of an impact on the whole, like the whole landscape is just incredible. It is. It is. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I mean, the fact that he kind of goes, he obviously like kind of goes around as well and finds people to work with who you wouldn't have expected, you know, and, and I think there's like a fearlessness there, which is like, which is really unusual. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, as I say, I don't love like, like I don't don't love everything he's done. And I wouldn't, as with a lot of artists, I wouldn't say I love, I'm not interested really in the artist that much. Like I, Mm. I, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to the podcast. I'll, I'll watch the YouTube video sometimes. Often, it's a bit like watching an actor, like like doing like the, the DVD extras. The, the the character that they play is way more interesting than the actor. Than the act, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, the actor is just like, oh god, I feel a bit disappointed now because that character, everything the character said was amazing. Yes, because it's a script. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> an actor, and almost in some ways with with, with artists, it, it's like the music is the thing for me. Like the music is the thing. You know, that's what I'm listening to. That that that, that, that that's what that's what I'm that's what is I'm involved in. That that's what's like in my life is the music, and you know, so the artist is definitely sort of secondary for me. And I feel that about myself as well. Yeah, I I completely agree. I try not to take like personalities too much into it until they've maybe if an artist done something that's like completely inexcusable. But of of course, going yeah, yeah, that that's an obvious one. But going in a completely different direction. Yeah. Um. What's it been like? What's it been like for you? To kind of go overseas as well. I know you've done like Rock Wurcher, which I'm 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 going to that festival this year. I can't wait, which is yeah. in Belgium. And like you mentioned a show in Paris and stuff. What was it like when you first went overseas and realized, oh my God, there's people actually in other countries that know about me as well? It was magic. It was absolutely <laughs> amazing. It was brilliant. I mean, I think like one of the one of the nicest things that happened, like in relation to that, is there's a there's a radio station in Paris called Nova, Radio Nova, which I I was listening to religiously. I, I I stayed in the south of France for three months when I was making my when I was writing my first album. I was very lucky to be able to go out there and live there for three months and and write that record. And on the radio was Radio Nova all the time, like constantly. And it it massively influenced what I was into. I was hearing new stuff. They're, they're amazingly sort of adventurous in their playlist. There isn't really a, there is a playlist, but it's just so adventurous and so broad. And at the time, it just spoke to me so much. Um, that had a, a profound effect on me at the time and then fast forward like five years they picked up one of the tracks on overtones that wasn't even a single and started playing it just because they wanted to and and um and to hear that was just in, insane for me it was just literally like a perfect circle of like you know you ma- your playlists and your music that you played massively affected me and now you're, you've picked up on one of my songs no one's plugged it to you and you're playing it it obviously is like a perfect do you know what i mean it's it's mm-hmm. worked out perfectly and and when we we went and did a show there actually for them in like a in a really sweaty small ish venue probably like 600 people and we played that song which again wasn't a single and it had like a bigger reaction than anything you can possibly imagine it literally was just like what the fuck just happened because it was just like an album track do you know what i mean so that was that was amazing but yeah i mean i i've loved going to europe and and um and playing really loved it it's um yeah it's a it's a it's a brilliant place to go and and, and do shows definitely 
Would you say that the crowds in themselves, be it energy-wise or interaction-wise, would you say that there's a difference that you've noticed across different uh, countries and areas, perhaps? Um, I know we've we've had a couple I mean, of artists that have that have said that they kind of experienced, you know, a different energy in the crowds yeah, when we, they're we, in yeah. different places. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's. I wouldn't say that there's any not particularly by country. Do you know what I mean? I think um. Mm -hmm. Possibly there's countries where people don't get as drunk as in England. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's probably most countries. <laughs> that, that, that might like feed into it a little bit. Do you know what I mean? But I think that, um, yeah, I suppose there's some places where they seem to kind of um, sort of, they go a bit less mad, but they're taking it in, like really kind of really, they're really basking in it. Do you know what I mean? So maybe there's that, but then I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that, I think there's just like, there's different fans in different crowds. So you can go to like, I could go to Paris and there'd be like some nutters in the crowd and some like mellow people. And I think it's just like, what I have noticed is again, I'm really lucky that the music seems to attract just like good people, which is mm -hmm. like, might be like a weird thing to say, like a good, like what's a good person, but just like people that when I meet them, I'm like, I could literally be your mate. Do you know what I mean? Like that, this is cool. You know, I feel like I don't feel in any way like that we couldn't just go for a drink now and have like a you know a hundred things to talk about do you know what i mean that's that's mm -hmm. really nice and i've even done like i did some shows at, at one point in people's living rooms in in um in holland so like around amsterdam and like we, we got to play some shows in some beautiful like apartments and amazing houses with some and, and the people that i met there is again we they they felt like friends like straight away so that's amazing i think that the, the, the to feel like the music you make is just drawing those those people in do you know what i mean it's like that's 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 amazing to have that feeling with your own audience like that must be really special like as you said the fact that you could feel like you could just go for a pint with someone after a show's classes it's, it's actually rare obviously a lot of a lot of artists say that but the fact that you've actually gone and played shows in people's living rooms i've seen one artist in the uk recently reverend and the makers yeah. he kind of did a similar thing for the launch of his album really pushing to get it in the top 10 for the first ever time which he managed to do got it up to number six but he right. was doing like living room shows and stuff and i just kept seeing every day on twitter he was going to people's houses and putting on a little gig and i was like that's yeah. crazy that's such a cool thing to do i mean i think um it, it, to be honest like when i decided to do it i was a little a little part of me just thought this is ridiculous this is like too small this is like you know i'm surely i'm like beyond this but then what i realized was it's not you don't it's it's not productive to look at it in those terms it's just a it's a completely different experience you know you, you're literally standing there no microphone no amplification you, everyone can hear you everything you say every you can you can clearly see everything every expression of people's faces it's a completely different thing it's like so intense so intense like i was literally like tearing up sometimes doing the more emotional songs just from the feeling that you got that people mm. were like in it with you you know and, and because I'm, I'm i'm lucky i suppose because a lot of the songs are like real storytelling things it almost felt like almost like a spoken word performance or something like that do you know what i mean it almost felt like a kind of reading in some ways in some of those places just because because of the sort of i don't know it worked it was really good it really worked yeah i bet that was a, a super unique experience yeah. maybe one to to go back and do at some point in the future maybe, if, you, yeah. if you enjoyed maybe. it so much yeah. i know one thing it looked like along the along with the release of the new album uh, and some of the songs one thing it looked like you really enjoyed doing was uh the music video with the with the clown masks painted yeah. on what was the story behind that that looked really fun like how did that come together where did that idea come from uh so um the so the idea for the clown, there's there's a line in that song um, that says um, no one likes the sad face clown. And so I had this idea that that straight away I was like, OK, what's a visual thing that will really make the video stand out? OK, I'll, I'll be a clown. I'll do. I, I always like to make up. I, I always like face paint, makeup, face paint, makeup, that kind of stuff. Like I, all the kids in the neighborhood would come around on Halloween and I'd paint all their faces. Like my, <laughs> my kids are getting like almost too old for that now. But like just that kind of shit. So so I wanted it to be a clown. And I, I I went to a production company to sort of find out how much it, whether they could make it for me and it was going to be too expensive. So then I got in touch with my mate, Rob, who also mixes all my music. He's, a, he's an awesome mixer. And he um, can also, also does video stuff, but we're both like kind of learning on the job as it were. And we just put the video together and worked really, really hard on it and did a storyboard and, and found locations and did all that stuff. And, and I think we just really wanted to make something, yeah, that we could be proud of but just with the two of us. And I think, yeah, everything to every decision we made was, can you do it? We're just, we're just two people. 
that was it was nice. as simple as that basically can you make something that's like reasonably compelling with just two people and a camera and a drone um and it worked it, it worked man i mean i love it i mean to be honest I'll, I'll be honest with you like i wish that more people could see that video like i like i it, again it's one of those things like i don't know i don't work the youtube algorithm i never mm-hmm. use you know what i mean that's the first video i've put out in donkey so so i don't have that sort of it, it, it's it, it's tricky you can't just like you can't just put a video out there and expect that loads of people will see it but i yeah i wish that more people maybe maybe someone will share it and loads of people will see it at some point but um i'm very proud of that video yeah absolutely yeah and it's just, cool especially given that it's just two of you that kind of put it all together and, and actually came up yeah, with the idea i just love i just i love the challenge of, of trying to kind of almost almost fool people into thinking that you have all the stuff in place that lots of other people do and it's the same with the music i think like you know i'm i make I write the music normally with with one other person. I I put everything together myself. I produce it all myself. I mix it with Rob, and then and we master it ourselves. And it gets on playlists that have a massive team of people. You know, like, like sorry, like with other artists that have a huge team of people mm. and promotion and all this sort of stuff. And it feels amazing to me to be able to kind of compete with those things because it, it, I suppose yeah, it is kind of competing. I don't like to see it as a competition, but at the end of the day, it's like you know. That's what it feels like sometimes. And it feels good to do that with like the minimal amount of people and the minimal amount of resources. Um, yeah. yeah. It's an impressive way to do things. Has there ever been a time in your career, this is just like an open-ended question, I'm not sure if there is, where maybe the record labels or anyone around you has maybe tried to get involved with your music making a little bit too much? And that's kind of rubbed you off the wrong way a little bit. Cause I can yeah. imagine you seem to take music very personally and it's a very personal thing to you. So I can imagine that that'd be a pretty, pretty bad way to do things. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, um, it's tricky. I think with, with, with record labels, you know, however, however, good the relationship you have with people in a record label and however kind of um supportive they are it's always a business you know once you get to a major record label it's a major business you know they have they have they need to make money they need to like they have targets to hit and all that kind of stuff so yeah it it does it it changes the way you look at music as an artist you look at it in terms of like am i expressing myself in the best way i can am i making something that i feel is the best thing that i can make and they're looking at in terms of is this going to sell like can i sell it to, to to this person and then this other person who's completely different from that person but it has enough appeal that it's going to sell to both of them you know, that's the bottom line isn't it so yeah so there were times when they when when i was at a record label and they were like well we want to put out this single and i was like well what about this song like this song's great you know can you not see that this could be a really interesting um this could still be a radio thing but it but it wouldn't sound like everything else on radio or whatever do you know what i mean and 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 sometimes they would just say no <laughs> and 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 what they said would be the thing and so that would be you know and i think a couple of times that happened and i don't think it was the right decision um to make um but uh um but yeah there's been times where i i think on my second on my second record with mercury i think they wanted like another stars in their eyes and mm-hmm. and i really tried hard to kind of like make something that was not the same but still had that kind of energy and that kind of appeal and was about something and was lyrically interesting and all the rest of it the irony is the song that i made that we all felt that we felt was kind of the new stars in their eyes was was the one single that that, that radio wouldn't play didn't want to play wow. it. it was wow. insane so we had we had three singles so we had embers which was the first single which was very much like a complete like curveball and that got a-listed at Radio One. It was in, it was amazing. You know, they they loved it, and everyone thought it was great. That it was different. And then we had this song called Doctor Doctor, um, which was the single I was just talking about. And then we had the Day I Died. Suddenly, the radio just said, "We're not going to play Doctor Doctor. We we don't like it." And so everyone started scrambling and going, "What are we going to do?" I mean, it fucked things up really badly, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I went on, I went on a tour with no with no album out, which was there was the album was supposed to be coming out, or at least a single was supposed to be out. I went on a tour that lost a lot of money. It was a it was a really tricky time. Um, if we had put out embers and then not bothered with Doctor Doctor and just put out the day I died, maybe that would have just worked out perfectly. You know, I think possibly that would have been the way to go. But again, you know, h- hindsight is a great thing. But it is interesting that that when I was trying to make the tune that was the tune, that was the one that that, that obviously someone somewhere could sense that it just wasn't wasn't right. 
And that's I was going to say, yeah, the first time when you made Stars and Rise, like that wasn't, you, you weren't trying to make a hit then really, were you? It was no just No way, in no making. way at all. It, we were just, I just, as, as I said to you earlier, like I had a bit in it that like, that literally made it completely not worthy for radio. Yeah, yeah like, of course. Hey, yeah. Have some yeah. of that. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, it was just, it was a, it was an accident. It, it was an accident. And I think that it just happened to have the ingredients and obviously it was about a subject matter that was very much in people's minds a lot of the time. I think there was a bit of a backlash against like talent shows and, and about kind of um, areas of the music industry that, that, that were using people um, to make cash. Um, and so, yeah, there was lots of things that lined up with that song, but yeah, we definitely, it, it, it was an accident. You know, I do remember playing it to certain people and then sort of going, fuck, you know, this is like, this could be big and me thinking, oh, yeah oh. maybe you're right do you know what i mean but i don't know it was all it's, it was it's all... catching lightning in a bottle isn't it really it, 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 it is it is and i wouldn't really want to like it's a i wouldn't really want to like try and do that like a lot do you know what i mean i don't know i think i think that it, 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 i like the fact that it was kind of an accident do you know what i mean like, <laughs> I like that, that, that that sort of appeals to me that you know it was it, it didn't have any hype and there wasn't there wasn't a there wasn't a, a game plan to make it into something you know just it just happened yeah i think going off going off what you were saying about kind of the the pressure from record labels to release certain singles and stuff i can obviously i never spoke to you at that time but i can imagine like how we spoke about music today that it's much better to be doing things completely on your own terms uh, and like as you said with the music video being able to just get a mate and and kind of put something together like that yeah. what does the future look like for you have you got any any plans for some live shows uh, anything in the pipeline oh man it, everyone is always asking me about live shows like constantly it's um so the so the, the situation with the live shows is it's really hard at the moment financially for me to make it work um i did I did an acoustic tour, which I think probably broke even. I did two tours in 2018, one of which broke even, one of which I spent quite a few grand on just to make it work and make it happen. I've got a full band. I have to pay the band. They're all like, you know, professional musicians who need paying, obviously, because that's what they deserve. Um, it's not easy to, to go out touring and sell tickets and make money. It's just, it's just not easy. It's a really hard thing to do. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, I think sometimes like the kind of the, the sort of like the prevalent sort of story and music at the moment seems to be like, Oh, don't worry about not making money out of streaming or not making money out of selling records. You can go touring and like, and everyone's making loads of money out of touring. And that's just not true. Like people that I talk to really struggle with touring to, to make it work. You know, a lot of people just can't go out. You know, if I could play a guitar and do like a, a, a solo show, I could probably really make it work a lot better for me. Do you know what I mean? But as it is the yeah. way that I do it. So financially it's not great. A lot of my band are really busy at the moment. My bass player is now Ed, she Ed Sheeran's bass player. Um, oh, so he's, he's a little bit busy um <laughs> uh, uh so so yeah so um so so yeah so there's so there's, there, there's certain obstacles to doing it do you know what i mean and, and i think also as much as i love doing live shows i do sometimes feel like i've done like enough of it if, if that makes sense oh, yeah. like as much as i'd love you know i, I really do like like it's really it's really amazing when fans say like you know that they would do anything to see me play live and people have traveled from like romania and places like that literally for like one night to, like, like, like I'll, I'll speak to people after a show and they'll be like I've, I've come from Roma we come from romania and i'm like oh cool are you on holiday and they're like no no we're here to see you and i'm like what and, like, <laughs> like, and that's happened a lot like literally people come from like i think someone came from japan once someone, came from, someone flew from korea once to, to come wow. to the gig um, and then, and then like smaller things, people will like drive all the way from Scotland. Like I met a father and daughter. It was so, it was amazing. It was lovely. Like a guy was probably, you know, 50 and his daughter who was like probably 14. They'd driven in their car from like Edinburgh for like seven hours to get to this show, like to come and see me and then just to go back again. Do you know what I mean? Like stuff like, you know, th those things are incredible, man. That, that shit just makes anything else that happened pale into insignificance. That kind of like, that's amazing. Do you know what I mean? You can't. Mm -hmm you can't like you can't top that kind of thing um so yeah so much as i'd love to do more live shows at the moment it's it's not it's not um i'm my heart's not fully in it as well i think i think you know but i i still want to make music and i still want to like make stuff for people to, to listen to and you know maybe i'll do some shows at some point but yeah yeah you know, th there's nothing wrong in that and to no, be fair no, i always yeah. 
it always comes off as a bit of a surprise to me when someone talks about the fact that like touring doesn't make much money. But then we've spoke about it a bunch of times on the podcast about how many like different cuts have to be given out, not only to the yeah. band, but to whoever's selling the tickets. People are even starting to take a big cut, uh, like merch money and stuff now as well. To be honest, it's one thing that really like grinds my gears because having watched a lot of bands throughout my life a lot of the smaller bands as well you would hope that that's the one way that artists are actually paid back for what they do but yeah i mean i think i I think some people obviously are making it work but i think you have to get beyond you have to break through a certain kind of ceiling of 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 like the size of a venue you have to be able to sell out like you know a 400 capacity or a 500 or 800 or whatever depending on how many people you've got on the road with you um even like easy life recently like i'm a fan mm. of easy life the band you probably know um they they had to cancel like a us tour recently because they just couldn't afford to go you know there, there was there's there's people like it's 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 a, it's a struggle do you know what i mean it's not that easy particularly if you get to a certain level you people expect like backline they, they expect like you know lights mm-hmm. and stage stuff so then you've got to get an articulated lorry and all that kind of thing and it will cost even more money do you know what i mean so i think it's like not not that i want to go on about the financial side of it because I just really I, that's not my focus at all in any way but at the end of the day you have to try and it's not a hobby it's not a hobby when it comes to going out live you need to make it work for you do you know what I mean and it and it is hard it's um once you start getting like the offers in which I never used to see I never used to know what was going on with live stuff I was completely fucking clueless I was just like probably just mashed somewhere just going like yeah great <laughs> um let's go off on tour let's get on a plane yeah 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 Whereas like when, when you start getting the offers in and you see like, you know, how much, you know, you've got to pay security and bar staff and promotion. And then, you know, you get your 80% of, of, of the door. If you sell out, if you don't sell out, you get this much, blah, 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 blah. It all, it's not a huge amount unless you're getting those, those bigger venues. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, it's hard to do. Um, yeah. Oh, it is tough times. So last question from me. I don't know if you have anything else, Tim, but to, to finish it off on a more positive note, so we're not ending it on uh, venues being shit and underpaying <laughs> yeah, no, people. I don't want that to be is that what happens. It, no, no, I mean, it is it is facts, though. It is it is very irritating. But I wanted to br- bring it back to the new album for a second. So if anyone was listening now and wanted to go check out the new album, they only had 10 minutes. What two songs would you recommend to really put the album together and give them a good idea of what it's all about? Uh... I'm just looking at the album now. <laughs> picks up the album. This is how well prepared I am. Like I'm, I'm I'd, I'd have been just like, what? what well, song? I'd imagine when you've put your heart and soul into all the songs, that's actually a very tough question. Well, but... it is, but also sometimes I just can't remember what the songs are that's on this record. Like, I've written a lot now. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, uh, I can what? imagine it's trying to remember which record they were even on in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. And also, like as I say, like there, there's quite a wide variety of tunes on here. So it's like I would probably say "Trouble to Share." Um, which was like a kind of like as big a single as I kind of get these days. You know, it was on like mm. 10 playlists, blah, blah, blah. People seem to really love it. I think it's a great tune. Trouble to share, I would say definitely. Um, and then probably, I probably maybe, maybe Wasp in a Coke can, which is for the video that we were like talking about um, earlier, which is like, again, like very confessional, quite sad song, like almost a ballad, about as close to a ballad as I'll ever get. Um Probably that, or maybe Treacle. But the thing is, like, pretty I, much. I really like Treacle. Like, at, Treacle would have been my yeah. show. Yeah, I mean, Treacle is like, I think, I, I think Treacle is a really strong tune. Even though I say so myself, I think it's a really strong. I was very, very happy with that, and I think that when you sit in a room with people and, and you have to play their music, and to be honest, I, I, I hate sitting in a room playing people my music. Like, I just don't. It, 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 I'm getting more used to it now, like 20, 23 years in or whatever. But I, I don't, as a rule, like it. But with that one, I could almost be like sticking it on and being, being like, there you go, have some of that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, um, yeah, I get Yeah, I think I'm kind of the same with uh, the podcast and people have got it on when they're around me. I'm a bit like, oh, sh- <laughs> oh shit, I've got to sit and listen to myself. Like I'm actually just talking as well. Yeah, I'm just talking to myself. But this yeah. has been a fantastic episode and fantastic. one that I'll definitely be listening back to. So thank you so much for your time, Jack. Oh, we, mate, we massively appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That was um that was painless, which has got to be a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it usually is, yeah. We did it the other week at the Brood Nell in Leeds and someone said, oh, I feel like I've just been sat in my front room and we were like, good, that's exactly what we want. We just wanted to be oh, a relaxed I, I, conversation. I, I, really, I really enjoyed that. That was wicked. It's good. To, I, I don't get a chance to talk about this stuff because I don't really do interviews and that sort of thing very much. So it's good to talk about it.
Lovely stuff. Well, thanks for accepting ours. And if you are ever up north in England, I'm sure we'll we'll do one in person. We'd love to do that. Absolutely, mate. Next time I'm on tour at some point. I will it'll happen at some point. Or if uh, we're down south for some reason. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in Brighton, mate, just just like email me. Hit me up, definitely. I will do. All right. Thank you very much, Matt. Nice one. Take it easy, boys. <laughs>